So this morning, before we get going, I have this red registration pack in my hand. This is Dave's favorite pack in the church, which is really cool, Dave, because Dave wants to make sure that we know who was here in church. So if you don't mind filling in this registration pack at some point. But today, we have a couple of things to celebrate. First of all, Jerry is back from his operation, which is amazing. So we're really happy to see you. Michael... Uh, Michael is back from leave and he had a birthday and he and Janice had a bit of a holiday so that is so good. Lisa, where is Lisa? Lisa celebrated her 60th birthday. Okay, I mean that is like big, she is like head honcho now. (laughs) There are a couple of people I know that Ken and Joyce who are out in the foyer celebrated 55 years of marriage. Okay, that needs... So, and I mean, uh, there are huge things to celebrate. Let's spend a couple of seconds, and then we'll get a drum roll, okay, with nothing inside. Let's spend a couple of seconds just greeting one another and celebrating with each other quickly. And I know Karen Altman's birthday is tomorrow. Friends, if we, if we could join together now as we prepare ourselves for the call to worship. Let's just remain standing as we gather ourselves in this moment of worship. For those who have not been welcomed before. You're welcomed by Christ. And especially to those who are online, we welcome you amongst us this morning. For those who have been turned away, Christ is opening the door for you. For those who have been forgotten, God cannot forget you, for God made you. Come join together in worship to our God. You are God's beloved. We welcome each other in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we come to worship this morning, we want to worship you in praise and adoration, for you are our King and our Lord. May your spirit be amongst us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are we ready? Are we ready to worship today? Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? It's a great place to be. Author 
glad he saved me. excited to know that there's a new name written in glory and it belongs to me because it's mine you deserve the glory and the honor we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name you deserve the glory and the honor we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name sing with me you deserve you deserve the glory and the honor and the honor we lift we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy you deserve the glory And the honor and the honor we lift we lift our hands in worship as we lift your
Please be seated. Lord, we're so grateful that there is no one else like you. Amen. If you'll bow your heads and join for this morning's prayer. As we come together to worship, let us acknowledge that there are those among us who are weary. Some of us carry heavy burdens. Remember that being in worship is a place of rest. In worshiping, we encounter Christ's healing and grace. There are others among us frantic and scattered or breathless in our busyness, places to go, people to see, checklists of items to accomplish. Remember that being in worship is a place of deep peace. In worshiping, we meet the unhurried God. Some are feeling brittle and broken, thirsty for the gospel at the end of ourselves. Remember that in worshiping, we encounter Jesus, the living water, tranquil and ever-present. Many might feel hollow and empty and hungry for truth, longing to be filled. Remember that in worshiping, we encounter Christ, the bread of life, nourishment for our journey. The word of God comes into our lives in so many ways. It calls us to action and to new life. God's word calls us here and now in our worship. God's word invites us to service and ministry, to praise and thanksgiving. We worship the living God and offer our praises to the eternal one. And we pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. In worship together today, you will notice that we have some children amongst us, and we have youth and we have middle schoolers amongst us. So last Sunday, we had a wonderful time of celebrating with families in this church, and there are 30 families with young people in the life of this church, and it was a whole bunch of fun. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to, every now and again, um, journey to what it means to worship as the whole church together. And so in a little bit, um, the young people are going to leave us and they're going to go off to, to a time of ministry to children. But before they do that, I thought we could just try and experiment together. One of the things that's been really challenging about living in America is driving on the right-hand side of the road. And I need to thank Michael for something because Michael said to me, it's bad enough driving on the right-hand side of the road. Wait until you get to a circle. And I was like, and then, and then I went to Western, and somewhere in Western, they have circles. And, and I remember what he said to me is, just click your right finger. And I was like, clicking my right finger, and I got completely confused because I thought I was going in the wrong direction. So I want you to do an experiment for me. Can everybody find their right leg? Because this is, okay, right, this is the right leg. All right, could you all, everyone kind of sit down. Everyone, could you pick up your right leg? And do you know what clockwise means? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, I had to think about that. You know, thought, do the clocks go in a different direction here as well? <laughs> okay, could, could you turn your leg clockwise? Okay. Right, now, now we're gonna get multitasking here. Okay, this is wonderful, okay? Turn that leg, keep going, like this is your Pilates class in church. Now, could you take your right hand? Okay, could you draw a six in the air? <laughs> okay, who, who can do that? Like, who can, who, what, what happens? Did, okay, I know, okay. Let me, let me promise you one thing. You will go home today and you will be watching television or you will be sitting somewhere and you're going to be doing this. I, I guarantee you. The bottom line is you just can't do it. I mean, you have to properly concentrate to get it right. So sometimes we have to do things 
two things at once. And sometimes we need to find a new rhythm. And that's kind of what we're doing together. And, and sometimes we're going to get that right, and sometimes we're going to struggle. And so I'm going to invite the children that are a great gift to us to leave now as they go off to children's ministry. And may God bless you as we, as we journey together. We can't wait for having fun with you in the church. Okay, so you all go out. And so let us pray together. Lord God, we just want to thank you for the gift of children. Lord Jesus, when your disciples were wondering what it was like to inherit the kingdom of God, you said to them, you need to have faith as a child. And so God, we pray that you would keep instilling in us the truth that every one of us are your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. stand with us as we sing a beautiful song. I think you know this song and um, this is where you are going to show me what you can do.
Amen. We continue this morning in our scripture reading as we continue in the gospel according to Luke. And our teaching comes from the 13th chapter of Luke's gospel. And we read from verses 10 to 17. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. A woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and she couldn't stand up straight. When he saw her, Jesus called her to him and said, woman, you are set free from your sickness. He placed his hands on her and she straightened up at once and praised God. The synagogue leader, incensed that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded, there are six days during which work is permitted. Come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord replied, hypocrites, don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from its stall and lead it out to get a drink? Then isn't it necessary that this woman, a daughter of Abraham, bound by Satan for 18 long years, be set free from her bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said these things, all his opponents were put to shame. But all those in the crowd rejoiced at all the extraordinary things that he was doing. Thanks be to God for his word. One of the conversations that I hear regularly amongst our world that is busy in a post-COVID reality, trying to find a new rhythm, is a lot of people say, I want to go back to the way things were. Okay. I want to go back to normal. Have you noticed that? It's an interesting saying that we said, I want to go back to normal. I want to go back to the way things were. And what's really interesting about that, it's one word that seems to globally translate itself. Everyone wants to go back to normal. But now there's a new word. Because when we realize that normal is escaping us, we decided to call it the new normal. Have you heard that? You, you've heard that statement, we want to go back to the new normal. And the truth is that nothing is really the same as it was. I sit and I listen to business people who tell me that they can't get people back into their offices. And that's a global phenomenon. I listen to a couple of people that this is the best thing that's ever happened because they never have to go back into their offices ever again. There's some people that find themselves in their offices and they don't know how they can get out of their offices. And so there is this, there is this interesting dynamic that has begun to become our famous new normal. And part of what we keep discovering in Luke's gospel, because really Jesus in the gospel of Luke is dealing with the reformation of what it means to be in a religious life. What, one of the themes that Luke really focuses on is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God amongst us now, and presenting the kingdom of God. And, and he does this by constantly reflecting two different kind of panels for us to look at. And we've seen that in the last couple of weeks as we've journeyed through Luke's gospel. We've looked at prayer. We've looked at healings. We've looked at many aspects of, of what Luke is bringing across in terms of who Christ is and essentially what Luke Luke is trying to predict for us is the new way. The early Christians became known as the people of the way. And so he's presenting what it means to be in the new way. And in many respects, that's part of our journey now. And it's been constantly part of the Christian journey. 
We know that over 500 years ago, we had the Reformation, which really brought about a change of the way, and we are ultimately a church that exists because of the Reformation, as the Methodist Church kind of going down the line a couple of hundred years after that. But ultimately, it's this constant looking at how it is that God is calling us to be the people of the way. So if there is anything we catch out of Luke's readings, it is how we constantly become the people of the way. And so let's have a look at what he shows us as we look at this woman and Jesus, and we look at Jesus and the leaders that are in the synagogue at the moment. The first thing we, we encounter with Jesus is, an, is a truth that lives even today, that Jesus sees you and me. He sees us. Now, there's nothing more powerful than being seen by someone, but truly seen. Here we have this the story of Jesus teaching in the synagogue, and it looks as if the crowds have packed in to come and see him. And we know that it seems as if that there are rulers and leaders that have been following him. He's got groupies, okay, where it's like wherever he's going, it's trending and people are going there. It's where the biggest thing is happening. And, and while everyone is there, we see that this woman was also there. And there is a moment when Jesus sees her. It's a very powerful moment to be seen by the Almighty. And there is an invitation for you and for me as Christians, as followers, of how it is that we are, we are seen by God. We are fully seen. You know, I can look at you today, but I don't always see you. I told you I can see a lot from up here, though. I've been warning you, like, this is, this is like a new, a new vantage point. But it's truly seen. And when, we, when, when, when Jesus sees this woman, he doesn't just see the physical. He actually sees her on three, in three dimensions. He sees the physical, he sees the psychological or emotional, and he sees this massive spiritual cosmological impact that is going on for this woman. I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I don't want to see anyone. You know, when I get sick, I'm afraid that anyone might knock at the door. I mean... You know what it's like when you've been sick, like you don't, you, you, you just, I don't want to see people. And it's really, it's really hard to be seen generally. Like when you're at your best, it's okay to be seen. But when you're at your worst, when you are broken, when you, when you are in pain, when you are vulnerable, to be seen in that place. And somehow all of us can identify a little bit with that. What is it like to be seen? You know, when, when we are ill, we lock ourselves away. You know, we, we, sometimes we even have to go to hospital. And, and with the way things are in hospital now, we get, we get properly locked away from, 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 from being seen. And sometimes when we are ill, it's embarrassing. We, 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 we feel completely exposed in our brokenness. And there's something really powerful about the message of the gospel, which says, but I actually see you. And I see you to the point that I'm actually going to come right into that deeply vulnerable place. And I'm going to stand there in your tears. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'm going to stand in the place where you are bent over, where, where you cannot actually form words because the brokenness or the, or the disease is so gripping for you. So Jesus sees. And, and, and I think that part of what, what Luke wants us to catch and what the gospel of Jesus wants us to hold is that sometimes we get stuck in the reputation of stuff. I mean, it's not as if this woman wasn't known. Let's face facts. The, you know, Luke is quite specific. 18 years she's walked like this. 18. And so people knew her. They must have known her in the synagogue. You know, they, they knew that this was the woman that had been ill for 18 years. And, and in the Jewish tradition, they might have even thought that there was something that she had done, that there was some sin that her or her family, because that was part of the belief. 
And so she walked around with a reputation of being a sickly person with all of this emotional baggage, being thought of as a sinner. You know, ultimately, she was incredibly vulnerable. And Jesus stops this phenomenal preaching, and he stops to see her. But it gets worse than that. He actually calls her by name. He calls her. There's nothing better than when people know your name. And I know that we've got all these, these um, name tags, and I'm so grateful for Joyce and Ken making sure that I get to know this community. And it's really been helpful. But to know a person's name, the name that you were called in the moment that you were born, for I know you by name. So I'm going to say to you this morning, no matter where you are, you are seen by God. You are seen by Jesus. Every part of you is seen. What you present to the world is seen, but the inside is also seen. Some of your doubts, some of your questions, some of your struggles, they are seen. Listen to what Jesus says to Jeremiah. And let me tell you, Jeremiah was a prophet and he had a tough calling. And, then, and, and God says to him, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I approved you as a prophet to the nations. Do not say, I do not know you, because I know you. Do not say, I do not know how to speak. Do not say that I'm just a boy. Do not be afraid, for I will touch your mouth and you will speak my words. Today I point you over nations and kingdoms to pluck up and pull down. I point you to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. We are seen and we are known by God. Every single one of us. And quite frankly, Jesus wants to stop everything. He wants to stop everything until each one of us know that we are a child of God. So he stops the religious leaders from being hypocritical and condemning her. And you know what he says to them? This, this is a daughter of Abraham. There was nothing more sacred than the Jewish people to hear that she was a daughter of Abraham. So as you leave here today, be comforted knowing that you are seen. All of you are seen. Not only are you seen, but you're also seen in community. And that's really important. You know, sometimes, we, sometimes it feels easier to be seen when we're by ourselves, right? We don't mind being seen truthfully when we're by ourselves. But Jesus sees her in community. In South Africa, in Africa, there is a term that we use. And some of you that went with um, Dr. Linda Burks on that journey would have heard this term called Ubuntu. It's an interesting African idiom. It says, I am because I belong. It's, it's very different um, from the rational thought that you will often find in the Western world. It is an African expression. I am because I belong. Part of what the tradition explains is that when a person does wrong, they are called to sit in a circle. And the person that has done wrong in the community is called to sit in the middle. And I, you kind of get the sense that, well, here comes the judgment and condemnation, right? But actually what happens in that moment is that people tell that person why they are loved. This is for the person that does wrong in the community. They put them in the middle, and they start speaking generational blessings on that person. Because ultimately, when you get fractured as a human being, you don't only get fractured yourself, you get fractured from community. And Jesus knows, I mean, the truth of the Christian message is that it's right in community that we are ultimately healed. That is why our souls have missed the space of deep connection. We are healed in community. We are healed in the presence of one another because somehow we have to expose our vulnerability to one another in community. I can tell you something, I would not want to be this woman. Called by name, dragged, it seems, in front of great leaders of the synagogue, probably the other Pharisees and Sadducees, being addressed in my brokenness, 
that is very overwhelming, but ultimately Jesus shows us that we are healed in community, but we are still loved in community. I think that Jesus was challenging these leaders in the synagogue, these Pharisees and Sadducees, in the same way that he was challenging the woman. They had a moment to celebrate with her healing. They could have chosen to celebrate, but they couldn't. All they could focus on, particularly the leader, because it seems if that's who we are, we, we are pointed to, all the leader could deal with were the rules and the regulations of what they were doing wrong. And he was ultimately trying to interpret the Sabbath. And I think Lisa prayed that today. Sabbath, our time together, is a time of rest and healing. You know, when we come together, do you know that a spirit of healing comes? For when two or three gather in my name, I am present. The spirit of healing is here. We are called, we are seen, we are known. The second thing Jesus does is that he sets her free. He really helps us confront that illness or affliction has both a physical, psychological, and cosmological impact. So it seems as if the scholars have already determined that she had a disease called anachylosing spondylitis. I'm not a doctor, there are a couple in the house, so you deal with them afterwards, okay? <laughs> Basically, it was an arthritic disease that had crippled her. There might have been some genetic, but it was also environmentally impacted. So there was an environmental impact as well as a genetic impact. But not only was she impacted physically, she was impacted emotionally, and spiritually, because Jesus goes on not just to heal her or call her by name or to lay hands on her, but he actually says you are set free from your bondage. You know, sometimes we get healed, but we are never set free. Sometimes the disease that we actually carry in this room has nothing physiological, but actually we're not free. We are bound because we don't experience life in all its fullness. Now, now, we actually have a tradition in the Methodist church that says that we are a people of healing. John Wesley really was intentional. As a Wesleyan, he was intentional. In fact, he studied medicine. He, re he wasn't a doctor. He didn't qualify as a doctor. But he read immensely on medicine because he was deeply desperate to heal vulnerable people and poor people. He would not leave poor and vulnerable people without a solution. He built three different clinics, one in Bristol, he built one in London, um, and there was one somewhere else. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. And so he, he constantly focused on the, the desperate pain that people were experiencing. Do you know where he said healing begins? In salvation. For we are saved by grace through faith. Because ultimately we are called children of the Most High God and we come to a place where we are set aside by God, we are called aside by God and we are called to a place of salvation. That's where John Wesley said healing begins. That is why he preached so much. And, where, and let me tell you, he preached more often and he was thrown out of the place than he actually was accepted. But yet he constantly kept on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, saved by grace through faith. He said healing begins when you name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so it begins when we surrender ourselves to God, when we know who saves us. Because ultimately it's not about the head knowledge, but it's about the condition of our hearts, where we become set aside and set free. So today, if we are carrying a disease, if we are carrying a burden, we are seen, we are known, and we are called to be set free. The person that left that synagogue free was not the leaders or the Sadducees or the Pharisees, but it was that woman. And so she was set free. So, so, so what we are called to do is we're called to come into the place that is common, the place that is our space of worship, to hold one another, to believe with one another, and to know that God wants to set us free now. It doesn't mean that we will not carry physical disease or ailments or emotional distress or anxiety, but we keep knowing 
that we are not alone in that place. Because this is not simple stuff. Ultimately, what Jesus does isn't simple. He's reframing the way we are as human beings and says to us, you know, it wastes your time to keep focusing on rules and laws, but it sets you free when the Spirit of God reigns. And so part of what we keep discovering is that when the Spirit of God reigns, we are set free. And we are called to allow the Spirit of God to reign in our lives. So the Christian mission, our mission, is really to be a cure for our communities. If we have stopped believing that our world needs Jesus, then maybe there is something of the church in Laodicea that you'll remember from the Revelation, from the book of Revelation that says that we have outgrown God. We have outgrown God, but I can tell you something, it is often in our afflictions and our pain that we realize that we need God. It is in those moments where we no longer can control the outcome that we know we need God. And so sometimes we do encounter in our world where it does seem as if the secular world has outgrown God. But we are called as the church to be the place of healing for the world, the place of of reconstitution for our humanity. So last week we had an incredible opportunity to be part of handing out um, the, the school bags to people. Part of the collection that was taken here through Nourishing Lives and people in our community was to gather um, backsacks for, um, for, for people that were going back to school. And it is an enormous privilege to be able to share with someone. Do you, do you know how much guts it takes to line up in a car and wait for a backsack? Because the minute you line up in that car, stretching and snaking around this community. You're really telling everybody, I, something is not okay in my life right now. And, 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 it, and, and the privilege of stepping into someone's car that has been waiting for about an hour at least and handing them a bag and praying for them, that's the moment where we touch them, not just with the backsack, but with the presence of God. Something in this moment can heal you. Ultimately, the church is the place where healing happens. And maybe we've forgotten that. Maybe as a broader church, and right now we we have to work relentlessly at the moment because we have divisions in the United Methodist Church. There's nothing worse than when a church is divided. It's like when a house is divided against itself. Do you know what happens then? It crumbles and falls. You know that. And so we need to work prayerfully and relentlessly to hold our community together, but ultimately to become a place of healing and transformation where the disciples of Jesus can be made in our midst. But it begins when we get vulnerable and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to see me today. And I give you permission to call my name So that in that place, I can be set free physically, psychologically, and spiritually. Let's pray together. Oh God, we know that you are a God that restores. We know, Lord Jesus, that you came to earth to change the history of humanity. When judgment no longer determined our outcome, but grace. Where love replaced sin. Where hope was installed in humanity. But sometimes, oh God, we feel as if we have become exactly the institution that the Pharisees and Sadducees represented. A place that struggles to be free. 
And so we pray, Lord God, that we would keep being reminded that we are the people of the way, that we point the way to the place of healing. But let that not just be words, let that be our lives. And so, Lord God, you know each one of us today. We're not hidden from you. Maybe we're hidden from ourselves. And we pray now that the power of your spirit would minister to us in the places where we are broken, in the places of our grief. Ultimately, no matter what we face and the limits of where we might be, we know that we can be free. So set us free by the power of your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know some of you are going to wonder about John Wesley, and I'm going to tell you. London, Bristol, and Newcastle, okay? Because <laughs> I would be wondering. Or you're going to Google. Uh, and friends, we come now to receive the offering. We thank you so much for the gifts that we receive in the week. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to minister in this way together. Just as Peyton comes up and shares a little bit about what's happening in the life of the church, I want to remind you that today at 2 o'clock, we have Reverend Tim Smiley coming to join us. Um, as part of the, the journey of the onboarding process, the Florida, um, Florida Conference have invited us to really be part of a journey. So over the last couple of this last month, We've had Tim join us um, with the staff and, and kind of listen to what are the things that we dream and vision of as a church. And then he's joined the leadership team and he spent some time just listening and kind of connecting with what are the things that we dream of um, as the leadership team. And today at 2, two o'clock, um, he's going to be spending some time with everybody, a church-wide meeting. So everyone is invited that wants to be here today. At 2 o'clock, it will be from 2 to 4.30. There'll be some delicious eats, as always, and we look forward to that time. So if you can join us, we would love you to join us at that time. Thank Have an opportunity to prepare for something called Let's Eat. September the 11th from 4 to 5, and Quinn, do you want to tell them a little bit about Let's Eat? Or do you want me to tell them about Let's Eat? Okay. So Quinn, you want to see Quinn afterwards. Quinn has a sign-up sheet, and he's looking for help. He is one of our youth leaders of this whole dinner movement, and Let's Eat is about a community dinner. It's about an opportunity to come together, both those sitting here and those in the community, to have a meal together, to talk and to have fun and create community. But we're going to need some help. And so after the service, you can find um, Quinn and sign up with him and let him know whether you can help or not help or you want to be in the loop for a future dinner. But we're excited about this because this is an opportunity for our young adults and our youth to lead us in community fellowship. And so Quinn had come to us a few months ago, weeks ago, and had an amazing plan for dinner. And... Um, so we're excited, so check out Quinn after the service. He's easy to find. He has on an orange shirt. So thank you guys so much. We'll look forward to seeing you on September the 11th. And what are we going to do on September 11th? Let's eat. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
together. Lord God, we, we receive this offering, Lord, as an act of worship. We receive the gifts in the week, and we thank you for all you have provided. And pray, Lord God, that we would be good stewards of what you have given us to tend. We ask, Lord God, that you would guide us in the ministries of this church as we surrender our time, our talents, and our treasure to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Would you stand with us as we sing the closing song? Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Friends, please join us in the mission building for some delicious eats, and we'll see you later on today. 
Thank you so much. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory.